there. Welcome to Over a Couple of Drinks. Uh, we have a really deep, heavy episode tonight, so we're going to try to keep it lighthearted. Uh, but first, let's get into the little introductions. Uh, don't worry about me. I've taken my Voight-Kampf test, and I'm perfectly human. I'm Bill Henning, your host, and uh, my co-host, as always, he may have the conch shell, but I'm not letting him talk just yet. Chris Birch. Say hello, Chris Birch. Aha! That, you didn't say hello. That was me. That I the... said hi. It was my own way of saying hi. Being All right. Unique. And though he is behind the scenes and we might think he's a robot, we're pretty damn sure his three laws of robotics is in order. Say hello to LB Gribbles. Hello. That is. That was I a don't... robot voice. Was it good? Terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> that was a robot <laughs> voice. This is the best episode ever. 10 out of 10. Wrap it up, boys. We can't do much better. 10 out of 10. Would read. And right. uh, the man in black fled across the desert and our special guest, Eric Sprott, followed. Say hello, Eric Sprott. Hello, Eric Sprott. My son says that. I know. And Here's... he's my role model. Okay, well, that's that's pretty great. That's pretty great. So, tonight, we have a lot to talk about, boys. Uh, before we do, I want to I wanna say two two things real quick. One, we have Eric Sprott on because uh, he's easily the most influential nerd friend I have, period. I mean, this man, um, he bought my first dice set. He brought me to my first D&D group. Therefore, he got me into uh, obscure gaming, like uh, Bang and Once Upon a Time, which led me to other really fun board games. He opened my music genres. Uh, he's challenged me to, to, to watch different movies and read different books, and he started me on The Dark Tower. He's kind of an important figure. So, yeah, that's why he's here. And the other thing I wanted to say was that I, I've learned in the last couple of weeks that I really fucking hate Guns N' Roses. <laughs> yeah, that was... That's okay. all I had to say, because Axel Rose's voice is terrible. Hey, Birch, why don't you tell us what we have on top of, uh, on uh, tap tonight? Let's see what we got. Okay, so we're starting off with news you can use, as per, as per usual. Got a lot of pretty good topics on that. Uh, here's our actual topics for the night. As Bill said, we're going to go a little deep tonight, so we're going to keep it as lighthearted as possible. Uh, we got topics such as becoming an adult, uh, a primary form of entertainment, books we're currently reading, modern fairy tales, art, who is it made for? What stories must kids have at what age? Stories that have stuck with us over the years. Are you a character or story person? Then we'll do some reviews and wrap it up. Yeah. That's on tap. That's on tap. What is everybody drinking tonight? Because I feel like we should get drunk. <laughs> uh, well, I, it might take me a little bit because all I've got is this uh, this apple ale stuff. So. Oh. Yeah. Angry Orchard. I, I have this little bit of wine that's left. And this is the last booze in my house. That's so it. we're gonna, we're gonna nurse it. Oh, all right, Brad, what are you drinking? I got a Carbach Brewing Company. It's a Texas brewer. It's called uh, Weekend Warrior Pale Ale. It's got a little bit of hop to it. It's nice and tasty. Hey, I'll be sending them a uh, a bill because there's no free rides on this podcast. Now. Gotcha. Uh, I'll also send a bill to Lining Kugels for their Snowdrift Vanilla Porter. Oh, that that's heavenly. I love that I Vanilla think... Porter. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. It is. So, shall we jump into news we can use? Let's do it. <laughs> Sprout, what are you? We're, we're charging into this one. We're charging. We're just fucking head first. What do you want to, Sprout? Why don't you pick what you want to talk first on news you can use? I want to talk about the Joker Batgirl cover. Okay. Oh, okay, good. All right. So, do you want me to talk about it since I brought it up, or do you, or did you research it at all? Yeah, yeah. You. Uh, I looked into it. I saw the, the picture of it, and it is um, 
I, I'm two thoughts on that, two big thoughts, and they're very different directions. Um, yes. The first off, I I love the reference to the original story. The killer. Um, where, yeah, uh, yeah, the original story where he paralyzes Barbara, and it's this horrible, horrible. That was by Alan Moore, if I remember right. Yes. Um, and it's just this continuing sense of torture and just horrible nature of the Joker of this entire story, and it shows that in the picture and anybody who knows their history of comics knows that story and it's a really um good way to harken back to the, its history yeah but by all accounts right now batgirl stories are not that heavy no they're they're, they're <laughs> this very light-hearted fun adventure kind of it, stories exactly and exactly it's the wrong time and place for it well my, my problem with it is this that they're doing this whole variant cover thing which I don't know why they're starting to do up again because that pretty much butchered the comic book industry in the early 90s, but whatever. Um, where this month, like last month, they did a bunch of like uh, old movie posters. And like the one that always sticks in my head is they did Free Willy, but Aquaman was standing there. I'm like, ah, that's kind of funny. Because <laughs> and this month or whatever, they're doing Joker variants. And they're like, I, I, don't, I don't get why because they're not that great. They're just like, oh, Joker's in the picture somewhere. Except for this one, which, you know, he's in the Killing Joke outfit, the tourist hat, and he has Barbara, um, like, he has his arm around her with a revolver in it, and his other hand, he's making a gun with his fingers, and she has the um, the smile painted on her, and she's looking clearly terrified. And, you know, you see it, and, you're, and, you know, ever since the new 52 came out where Barbara wasn't crippled anymore, and she was, you know, young Barbara Gordon and going to be Batgirl, and... I'm like, oh, okay, so everything's retcon. But when you see a picture like this, you go, oh, really? Are they dropping that story now? Of all things, on the, okay, yeah, let's see the Killing Joke to find out that it's not the Killing Joke. It was just a variant cover. Kind of upsets me, you know, yeah. because again, it's something that is kind of in the history that if you see that look of the Joker, you kind of expect the story being the Killing Joke told anew. Well, and it's like the cover itself is it's a frightening cover which is the point and it's a it's a great throwback and for you know the people who know it they're like i mean we when it first came out i'm sure people were just as uncomfortable with that story but that's kind of what it wanted to do which, and joker went to places in that comic that he's remembered for now like you know years later big time that's a, still a huge comic so and, and if you if before anybody yells at us it's uh the reason why that this is also kind of controversial is because of um not only does he shoot Barbara and cripples her, he gets her naked and takes pictures of her and sends it to Commissioner Gordon and possibly raped her. It's implied. That's never... It's implied. not even really implied, though. Yeah, it's it's more of a possibility inferred. It's a that, possibility. But that's also saying that, I mean, the, the sexual assault part of it was what was... You didn't need to go to that next step with no. the Joker. Is I mean his power comes in his terror and you can have an assault physically and mentally plus sexually and oh, it's he had that control over her. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing that was that's great about it. If he because uh, you know the way I read it was that he didn't, but Commissioner Gordon doesn't know that, and that's part of the great exactly. thing about the Joker exactly. is that he goes, I know where your daughter lives and I just crippled her and I might have raped her, but you don't know. That's it's and, a, yeah. I mean, go ahead. it's a heavy story. Yeah. It's a very heavy story that that's meant for a specific audience, and by all accounts, like I said earlier, the, the Batgirl just isn't that. The, the right time and place for it. Yeah, it just if they were one, 
there's a you can see that variant and not have it, that kind of tone in the in the comic kind of seems odd and two it, it's not there yet and we don't need that there yet it's a, it's a great piece of artwork you know the the yeah. artists applaud him fantastic evocative of everything alan moore and whoever his pencil was at that time i don't remember but um yeah. haunting haunting so yeah don't need it get rid of it but great work yes i concur anybody else have anything dad no nope. that's all i got all right, Birch, where do you want to go to next? Um, well, we kind of talked about it last time. It was one of our big topics, so we may as well hit Disney right now. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, they won't let it go. What? Uh, <laughs> that fucking... All right. Um, <laughs> so, I guess we're talking about Frozen 2. Yeah, we are. Oh, let's start with that. Well, okay. So, the whole world's heard this by now. Um, except somebody tried to argue with me yesterday that it was still a rumor, but it is, in fact, confirmed. That Frozen 2 has been announced. It's coming out. Well, I don't think they have a release date yet, but it'll probably be out like next couple of years or so. It's going to be a theatrical release, which is a big deal because Disney sequels have a habit of not doing that. Yeah, when, when is the last time you had a, a Disney animated feature, not Pixar, have an animated, uh, I mean, a sequel that went to theaters? Um, Aladdin 2? Aladdin 2 was VHS. Oh. Was, was Lion King 2? Was that VHS? VHS. Lion King yeah. one and a half was the one that went to theaters. Seriously? Did it? Oh, that did? What? Okay. Really? I remember they had like limited releases of that. It may have been years later where they did like some some <laughs> special promo for it. <laughs> I, Jesus. Fantasia. I don't. don't Two thousand. That was a remake. Was a, was a, <laughs> it's kind of a sequel. There was a time when they were gonna do one of those every ten years. <laughs> that didn't happen. Well, you know, I think but, I would appreciate it more now if they did. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I, this, this might be the first. I don't. Maybe I'm jumping the gun, but this might be the first time that Disney has released an animated sequel to theaters, not Pixar. So that's uh, the Rescuers Down Under. Uh, oh yeah, that oh, was that, that must ca- be okay. It. Yep, counts. That counts. See, that's why we have Eric nailed it. Nailed it. He gets a gold <laughs> star today. Yep. Good. We're just assholes. Um, but are you guys against Frozen Two? Yes. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> It's gonna just rake in money, and then you can get fancier Star Wars movies. We, it's Star Wars. <laughs> I don't want to. Even the bad Star, Star Wars Star. made money. It's it's just the Disney me. machine. The, the reason Disney's doing it is because of how popular the other one was. Yet there are other very popular Disney movies, Knock Knock Hercules, that still doesn't have a sequel years later. And it's what, just kind of What like, are you talking about? Two Hercules movies came out last year. Bill. Bill. <laughs> oh, no. What if Disney did that? Oh, that would be... Okay. We got Wayne the Rock Johnson. And the guy from Twilight. <laughs> Fighting James Woods. <laughs> I would pay money to see that. I really would. Yeah. See? There's, we're, now we're throwing up more ideas for them to use that instead of that. Or how about, I don't know, they actually throw money at The Incredibles too. I don't know. That's, that's Okay, that's confirmed, and I'm waiting patiently. As Asia. I have since 2004. Um, the only way I can see Frozen 2 working is if it's called Thawed and Arnold Schwarzenegger plays Mr. Heatmiser. <laughs> You've chilled enough. Now it's time to, <laughs> now it's time to feel the heat. <laughs> oh, um, is that all we got for that one? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, I'm okay. gonna see it and in I'll be theaters just... twice. 
<laughs> I never see you're movies twice it. in theaters. You're gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna give my money to the turtle sequel, and you're gonna give it to Fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> so last time we talked a lot about um, how Disney's been kind of doing this trend of remaking all of their classic animated features, and I found out this past week that they are not stopping. Um, we're gonna get remakes of Dumbo that has just been announced, being directed by. None other than Tim Burton. So Johnny Depp is going to end up playing um, all three of the crows. Yes, the crows. <laughs> he's going to be the crow. We all joked that he's going to be the elephant. He's actually going to be the crows, and we're all going to hate ourselves for it. Listen, if the crows aren't in that movie, I walk. Okay, they're important. There's no of way they're going to be in that movie. <laughs> and I've seen a house fly. I don't think we need to go down that road. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think we need them. I would be for it to see what. They How? do to stay faced afterwards. But, <laughs> yeah. um, From a pure fiasco standpoint, we need those girls. <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> I just I've I've never even liked Dumbo as a movie. I never thought it was that good. I can't I I never would have thought, oh yeah, live action remake, why not? Yeah. It's live action? Live yep. action. Probably. So CG elephants or real elephants? If they're <laughs> gonna entertain me if they know what I want. They'll give me a real elephant and just film it. Yeah, <laughs> Operation Dumbo Drop. Yeah, Operation Dumbo Drop was a great remake. <laughs> Dumbo. Um, we're also getting a remake of the Jungle Book, which 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 I which want is to to remind everybody we had a live action remake of the Jungle Book where the animal didn't talk. That was like ten years ago. Or I love it. Like twenty years ago. I love that movie. <laughs> Yeah, there's a no, there's a more than one coming out. Like one's called like Jungle Book Origins. What? Yeah, Is that's that like their powers. I that, probably it's like how Blue became a bear instead of a person. <laughs> that's how they <laughs> learned to talk. It's a brave thing. Now let's um, let's talk about the real problem here with the new Jungle Book. <laughs> um. The cast for me is just kind of questionable. I'm so excited because can you imagine everyone? King Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken is playing King Louis. Oh, oh I do. Listen, I want to be like you. <laughs> now, Mane, here up. You, ooh, ooh. I want to be like you, ooh, ooh. ooh, ooh. Walk like you. Talk like you, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know who they're getting to play the vultures. I don't Beatles, know. But Beatles I'm just saying that Ka the Snake is being played by Scarlett Johansson. So oh, I'm just gonna that. I'm gonna be all kinds of confused. Yeah, I don't know where they're going with that. Although I'm I'm for Bill Murray as Baloo. I'm alright with that. Really? Are you are? Because I'm not. I wanna I, know well, it depends. He, there are he worse phones in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he the last voice acting thing we got out of him was Garfield. Yeah. The real question oh, is oh. No 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 Bill, Bill. The last thing we got out of him was Garfield too. Yes. <laughs> The real question is, why is John Goodman not Baloo? That's what I was about to bring up. Why isn't John Goodman Baloo? There you go. That would be good, actually. Okay, I'd like that. See, now I don't like it now, because I'm thinking of better choices. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about the good choices, though. Uh, Is it... Who's playing Shere Khan? Is it Benedict Cumberbatch? It better be. (laughs) Oh, hold on, I'm looking it up. Like, there's one of the movies, I know it's him. And another one, uh, I don't remember who was Is it Idris one. Elba? Or yeah, ben oh, Kingsley? Yes, yes. Oh, uh, it ben, is Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley's Bagheera. He's Bagheera. Yeah. Okay, so the Jungle yeah. Book. Yeah, Idris Elba is your con. Yeah. And next he's going to be Bond. 
Get over it, everybody. I'm okay with it. Just give me one more Daniel Craig. Yep. Is this Daniel Craig's last one? No, he's got he's got I think he's got two, but he's doing it he's doing it one one by one. Which if we're done with Disney, we can talk about Bond. Let's don't do it. So they released a picture of Daniel Craig as Bond for Spectre. And he looks great. Yep. He has, has, we're not surprised really. No. <laughs> he's honestly my favorite Bond right now. I'll I'll say it. I mean, you can't ever beat Sean Connery in my mind, so therefore he's not on the pedestal of who's the best Bond. He is Bond. Um, but this picture, I'm looking at it now because it's my phone background. I'm not obsessed. What? Um, <laughs> he looks like Bullet. Steve McQueen from Bullet. Uh, and, yeah. He looks a lot to me like Roger Moore. You take I mean, that back, like you son of a bitch. He looks like him. I think he wore that outfit in one of the movies. I don't Die know in a fire. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, he does. You're fine. I know. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah. So it looks. I mean, it's for our first official image from the movie. I'm, I'm down with it. Yeah. There's not much to talk about. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm excited. But I'm re- Oh, I guess we could say this about it. I'm excited that they have not uh, given up on this movie after those leaks a couple months ago. Yeah. So, How much of the movie you. leaked? Because I thought only parts of the it The entire script is what I read. I didn't read the script, but I read that it got leaked and people did read it. But but at that point, they were probably still writing it, so they could have changed it. Yeah, things. that's going to change. I'm sure it's changed, yeah. I'm not worried about it. Not me either. Uh, we forgot something in Disney. I just realized that. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's go back jump to that. Jump to Disney. Um, it was that they announced that no one will be smoking in any Marvel movie ever. Did they smoke in any Marvel movie before? Like, maybe one of the bad guys in something? I want to say in the Mandarin scenes. And I'm thinking there might have been somebody smoking in Cap 1. Cause it was oh, yeah, because it was World War II, yeah. Which, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a problem with it. It's just kind of I'm odd. I'm okay with it as long as there's not, like, a scene of somebody smoking and someone walks up and pulls it out of their mouth and throws it on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's... This, this news you can use really isn't much to talk about. <laughs> um, oh, hey, if this is another last Disney thing, if we want to jump to that, it's... uh. Josh Gad, who played the voice of Olaf in Frozen, got cast as LeFou in the Beauty of the Beast remake. Oh, yeah. Which one's LeFou? Oh, yeah, right, right, right. He's Gaston's little buddy. LeFou, the fool. Yeah. No one spits like Gaston. No That's one him. spits like Gaston. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's not what? the words. <laughs> which, which? Oh, and Emma Thompson. Oh, Emma Thompson's playing Mrs. Potts. That's confirmed. And why? Kevin Clarice, Bell's dead. That's the show, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. <laughs> Kevin Klein just stopped the show. <laughs> We're done. I here. can't even picture that. No. Yeah. Why, why isn't he playing Claude Tour? Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize how much older Kevin Klein is than I thought he was, but he's. I still don't see him as Maurice. No. No, I don't. Crazy old Maurice. Okay. So just uh, my thoughts on this movie, which has now been confirmed to be coming out March 17th, 2017. Uh, so we got two years to wait for this movie, and I'm just all kinds of hesitant. 
can can we at least get Tim Curry back to play the crazy old uh, or uh, please. please? I don't know. Please. please, I don't know. Anything, anything to help us here? <laughs> nope. Okay, moving on. All right, what we got next? Uh, we can talk about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle twist. Oh, the comics one? Yeah. Ooh. Okay, I'm unfamiliar with this one. Catch uh, me up. This Thursday, or last Thursday, or whatever, the 44th issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out, and in it, Rocksteady murdered Donatello. Whoa. But it wasn't just, like, a quick kill. Like, he cracked his shell open with a sledgehammer. There was blood everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And, like, the closing shot of the comic was Donatello's dead body with the turtles and Splinter around it, and Raphael looking like he's about to cap Rocksteady in the face. Yep. Yep. It was it was pretty heavy. It was real heavy. I, um, I don't know for sure, but I think this is the first time a turtle has been killed yes, in the comic. I think so. Um, is this the comics that have been going on for years now? I It's probably rebooted somewhere. I don't know. The animation looks a lot like the Nickelodeon cartoon. Which is my okay. main problem. If you're trying to go with this real gritty, you know, consequences with violence, don't make it look like the kid-friendly cartoon right now, please. Thank you. That's just... Yeah. It just looks really off and odd. So. um, Yeah, I think it's interesting because it's going to add uh, a certain dynamic to the turtles that needed to spice up. If you look at it, like, uh, Rock's going to be more pissed. Leo's going to see it as a failure to him and it's going to kind of have him maybe even step down as a leader and might force Mikey to grow up. Yeah, Mike's crying in this in the picture from the comic. Like he's like weeping on Leonardo's shoulder. Very kind of disturbing. Yeah. Do do you anticipate them bringing in a new fourth turtle? I anticipate... Can it be that Venus bitch from that <laughs> old show? I anticipate so him coming thinking. back in some way. <laughs> I anticipate him coming back in some way. Uh, they'll put his brain oh, yeah. in Mecha Turtle. In, yeah, in, in Metalhead. Metalhead they'll probably it. do that. They'll probably do that. I'm not. I'm, we're not even joking. They'll probably do that. <laughs> so yeah, that's that was the shocking news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, well, I mean, you have something to look forward to then uh, when the new uh, movie comes out. They can maybe put that new twist in it. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> if they want to make it like, you know, worth the ticket price to watch one of these awful new turtles get just fucking killed, all right, we'll do it. I don't. Speaking of, that sequel starts filming like this week. Thank you, Bridge. Please no. You guys auditioning? <laughs> yes. <laughs> want to be Casey Jones? <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna just slap whoever the writer is. I'm gonna get a job on there and like go through you all the hoops. Get a just job. Just so like, yes, who wrote cast. this? Boom. Slap him. And then walk out. And then walk right off the set. Exactly. With your, quit. With your concierge sandwiches. <laughs> Craft table sandwiches in hand. I would do that. <laughs> oh, this is just depressing news all over. A turtle dies. All the turtles die. Are being murdered by Michael Bay. Uh, turtles dying everywhere. This is an awful year for turtles. Um, Great year for soup, though. <laughs> have you had turtle soup? It's kind of slimy. <gasps> no, I have not. It doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good at all. But, but, see, I've always pictured it growing up as little baby turtles crawling around <laughs> in it. Or, oh, or they flip the shell and just cook it and you eat like kind of like the monkey's brain. Like their, their shell becomes the bowl? Yeah. 
it was either one of those two options. I didn't have a third option in my head as a kid. I just feel uncomfortable right now. I'm just talking <laughs> about it right now. I always just picture a big bowl of thick green snot. That's <laughs> just <laughs> 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 turtle soup. <laughs> it's written on the side. This is turtle soup. Maple hanging off the side of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turtle soup. Eat it and shut up. <laughs> it's what you wanted, right? Eat it. <laughs> um, I'm looking up images of turtle soup right now, and I see lots of turtles in soup. <laughs> so, see, so yes. I guess it's confirmed. Sprout oh, was that's right. Confirmed. That's that's what confirmed. That's what it is. Google image never lies. <laughs> oh, make sure you get the soft shell turtles because it'd be kind of hard beating <laughs> through the other ones. Oh, it's it's a so it's a bad week for turtles, but a good week for fish. In our next topic. <laughs> There's a, they discovered a new uh, catfish, I think it was, and they have yeah. named it Greedo. They've, they've named the species Greedo, which is the bounty hunter from Star Wars, for all those who don't know, who did not shoot first. He didn't but, shoot at all. Yep. <laughs> Lucas will fight you on that. But. He didn't. I have the original cut in the other room. He didn't shoot. <laughs> so now you can go fishing and catch a Greedo. That's all I got to say about it. <laughs> That's about all we have. <laughs> um, um, let's cover this real quick, and then I'm gonna have to make a quick. Uh, be right back, little guys. Little guys crying. Um, con man. So, uh, Alan Tuvik and Nathan Fillion started a fundraiser for a web show called Con Man, and it's basically metal real life. Yeah, this is fantastic. I didn't. I didn't hear about this. Oh. oh. It, it, it's it's wonderful. It, Bill, I mean, you, you touched on it a bit earlier. Uh, well, but why, why don't you take it? I'll be right back, okay? All right, yeah. It's um, They're playing former actors from a canceled TV show, a sci-fi show that was on for 13 episodes that uh, one of them, the captain of the ship, has gone on to have a very successful sitcom life, and the other one is just doing conventions. So they're pretty much just being themselves. And okay. It's it just looks hilarious because I don't think Alan Tudyk gets enough credit. Um, I hope y'all have seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I haven't. No. Oh, it's recommend. It's beautiful. Oh, highly recommend. Yeah, it's wonderful because <laughs> they they play these just kind of hapless hillbillies in the woods, and they get all these teenagers come into the woods and these teenagers start dying around them and they think that they have this suicide pact going on. But the teenagers think this hillbillies are trying to kill them. So they just reverse the roles of the uh, the classic horror movie formula. And it's one of them, they just play off that and they're hapless and Alan Tudyk and I don't know who the other guy is. Do you remember Tyler that, Levine, LB? I believe his name is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it gets a little silly at the end, but it's funny. This sounds funny. I'm looking it up. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's been on Netflix forever. But Con Men looks good because um, I think they finally get to talk about <laughs> Firefly without actually talking about it. They've been trying to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, how can we bring this back into the eye? Yeah, um, but it's they uh, the Kickstarter for it got um, something like 500 percent of its earnings within a couple days of uh, what they needed to actually put the show on. And it's, uh, I think they start filming soon. Okay. Hmm. 
That is to be clear. I believe it's on. I will put that on my radar. I don't know if it's on Kickstarter. I believe it's on Indiegogo. That's where. So okay. if anyone's interested in helping them raise, <laughs> um, oh, they already have. They already have more than four for? times their goal. Yeah, they don't need help. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, they're good. <laughs> they are good. But you might get a DVD out of it if you donate. Yeah. Which might be worth it by itself. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we taking a break right now, then? No, we have the D... Oh, Bill's oh, back. Hello. <laughs> we have the, the Daylight Saving Time. And then we'll take a break. Oh, oh you want? are we talking about Pixels, too? No, we we're not talking about Pixels, because nothing's worth talking about Futurama that. Futurama Go watch the trailer. Two words, Happy Madison. Moving and then on. go watch Futurama. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they did it better. So, DST. Sprott, you brought this up. Would you like to... I'm all for Educate it. the masses? Um... I mean, it's it's not entertainment related, but I think everyone's lives would be a little bit better. Daylight savings time is being voted on in a couple different areas to be gotten rid of. Either getting rid of daylight savings or getting rid of um, the other one, whatever it's called. But yeah, actually normalizing our time. That's it just makes sense. Fantastic. I'm anybody's actually for it to, to keep it around. I, I don't see and it's, the point This of is out. my one problem. My one problem is they were saying that they wanted to Keep it as like non daylight savings time time, which would mean that like forever it would be like much shorter days and longer nights, which I'm not a big fan of. If we're gonna go with one, I'd rather go with like the one that we have in the summer. Yeah, so, with more sunlight. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's what I was reading that they were gonna go with the one that was like not that. So I hope that's not what they do. <laughs> um, so you want daylight savings time to be permanent? Yes. Yes. That's what yes. I want. Yes. More sun. More sun. Well, same amount of sun, just scheduled differently. No. <laughs> no more listen, sun. Listen, listen. <laughs> time, is, time is relevant. Yeah. There is no we're we're gonna, saving we're daylight. Proposing, we're proposing it's a bill. It's in the name, LZ. You don't get it. In, the, in the, the fine print of the bill, they say they want to throw a rope around the sun and like pull it closer. <laughs> and just make it... See, that's why you got to read those things. They don't yeah. have a book for that. <laughs> Fair enough. What are they talking about? <laughs> Use it up now. That's funny. You know, fooling me, politicians. <laughs> okay, so that's <laughs> that's all we got for news we can use. We'll be right back with the real topics. We're going to take a quick break. I'm a fan of it. Welcome back to Over a Couple of Drinks. So, we're all here. We're ready to get some, you know, some uh, talking on about some pretty good topics. So, let's get started. Um, well, Sprott, I, I, I'd like, you, you provided a lot of these topics, so I, I'd love it if you kind of kick us off with one. All right, so does that mean I need to pick one of the heavy ones? Because one that really got me is um, the what stories must kids have at what age? That's a great oh, one. That's, that, actually, that's mine, actually, too. <laughs> I love that because that's something I honestly think about. And I, I don't have kids, but I I like going to old bookstores. I like going around and finding just whatever's 15 cents in a bargain bin somewhere. And I find a lot of things that I grew up with. And so I started collecting these things. Um, Aesop's Fables, uh, Calvin and Hobbes, mm-hmm. I found... Um, and 
it's just something that that hits close to me and i know bill you have a bit more experience in this than us um, well it's it's just simply comes down to a, i think of all the things i watched or read or you know saw as a kid and i go that's kind of shaped who i was and you know with kid one every parent is like i don't want to screw them up but in a way you kind of want to screw them up in the right direction and it just this this question came up of like what should i show bobby when or what should I, you know, have him watch or have him read? Because in like the Michael Knight podcast, we talked briefly about how I wanted to read Harry Potter with him mm-hmm. over the years too. Like, ah, oh, this is this is the equivalent of when you're age, and we'll stop reading it eventually because you'll be too old and you want to read it by yourself, kind of thing. But I'm okay with that. Um, so like, you know, and the other question I was asking is like, when should I show him Star Wars, the original trilogy, so it's not ruined for him? Because if anybody takes that experience away from me. And they tell him the ending of Empire Strikes Back, you are dead to me. <laughs> you are so dead. You to have me. to be constant. And Chris Birch is doing his world's best robotic voice impersonation. Vigilant. That was much better than my robot impersonation. Yes, that was way better. <laughs> um, I said, uh... Nope. George, nope. Lucas, George Lucas and Disney are pissed at us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I just... What, from you guys, what, what like, really shaped you growing up? Like, what stories went? Because I remember, like, I, uh, I was read The Hobbit once, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then I saw The Hobbit cartoon. Uh, or, you know, at that fateful day, age nine, when I watched Alien 3 and was scarred forever. <laughs> you know, and just you keep chasing those scars. I keep chasing them because, you know what? That alien is a beautiful butterfly. That's a reference for another movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, two for me stand out in my mind. The Hobbit is one of them because um, my dad has these, gave me these old Lord of the Rings and Hobbit books. I mean, printed 1964. Um, old books, ratted, torn up, that he's had for years. And I was fourth grade when I read The Hobbit. And it changed, literally, and changed my life. Um, because I started reading fantasy. It was, I, I ate it up. Um, and that pretty much determined the next 15 years of my entertainment, 20 years of my entertainment was that one book when I was eight, nine years old. Um, and then Calvin and Hobbes. I mean, we got picked two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those are it. Easily, hands down. I mean, I've read every Calvin and Hobbes starting at a young age with the um, the actual comic strips and then finding the books at one of my friend's houses and just staying up till three in the morning, reading them and reading them and reading them, crying at 10 years old because they're sad and then laughing the next page over. No, I think, and I think what you're saying about the Hobbit was the perfect uh, answer to this question. You know, what's uh, what stories uh, must kids read in what age? Um, you know, generally in school when you're young, you're exposed to these books, these young adult novels. They're featuring characters who are your age, and they're dealing with things that you deal with sometimes. Um, and I think giving kids books like The Hobbit and uh, different science fiction books that, as long as they're age appropriate, I think that's that needs to be done because you might not find those books are written for your age group, those, you know, young adult adventures that exciting. But when you're reading something fantasy, the Hobbit, 
sci-fi hitchhiker's guide that opens up literature to you it opens up this whole universe of ideas yeah i mean when i was growing up one of the big ones was uh goosebumps just came out and that showed oh, us yeah. like a style of horror that could exist that wasn't really horror you know and the the covers were always worse than the actual stories themselves which everyone seems to forget about but <laughs> whatever and just you know, Except I, for the the open water one, there was one with sharks. Yeah, open water. That's what it's called, or deep or deep water, or something. Like <laughs> deep that. water, something like that. That one petrified me as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scarecrow's Walk at Midnight. I think that yeah. one was pretty terrifying because I don't remember the ending. Uh, yeah. I mean, those those came out. I read the Animorphs mm-hmm. when I was younger, and then like you know, Star Wars and Indiana Jones were huge parts of my life, and. Uh, reading The Hobbit, reading a lot of weird books from from school. Like, I remember one called The Lampfish of Twill. I don't remember anything about it, but I just remember that that was kind of this interesting step into fantasy without full flowing into fantasy, or um, the idea that nonfiction could be entertaining, or or even like uh, like realistic fiction could be entertaining with like um, The Hatchet and Brian's Winter. I just you know those and those dog song yeah things like that just kind of stick out to me and i'm like what in your guys's opinion what should be read where or what should be shown where because like right now the only thing i have is about age five bobby needs to watch star wars or kids will ruin it for him honestly as early as possible in my mind um <laughs> i mean the idea that kids aren't old enough or mature enough to handle a book it, it's always kind of struck me because uh i was off reading stuff that people told me i wasn't allowed to read and it just made me want to read it more. Well, it upsets me that um, there are a lot of modern-day parents who are being so just, you know, I mean, we're trying, I think it's really, it's a bunch of people who are becoming parents, and maybe some of them are like, I don't really know if, I'm, if I can do this very well. I'm starting to second-guess myself. I want to make sure I don't fuck it up. So it's like, they start to forget that, oh, when I read these things when I was young, it was fine, but I don't want to expose them to something that they won't, you know, that'll hurt them or scare them or something, even though plenty of great, great films and, and books and such are, you know, a little hefty and like, you know, they light, they go between light and dark and it's a great thing for a kid to, you know, get that. They bounce right back from it. Yeah. But. Cause like, you know, you, kids are, you're worried about, like, I feel like a lot of parents would be worried about, oh, us, like a lot of, a little selfish going, oh, they might have bad dreams and I will have to put up with that. I'm sorry, but yeah. nightmares are a part of life, okay? You're going to have them forever. You're just going to be afraid about something sooner or later. And in a way, fantasy and, and horror and science fiction might be a little bit easier to handle. There you go. They're not real. Don't worry about them. I mean, and because when I watched, like I said, I was like 9 or 10 when I saw Alien 3. And you know what? I became obsessed with that creature because it was something totally different than I ever could have possibly thought of the design the way it moved the, everything about it and i just it picked me up and kind of affected my whole life from there on out because i was like i want to know more about these and i started reading comic books and that that got me into the fringe comics that aren't like superman batman spider-man captain america no i got into dark horse where i found out about hellboy and i found out about all that other stuff because of alien versus predator so you know you kind of, I guess, you have to figure out where you want to go and what rabbit hole you want to go down for your kids. 
Mm-hmm. And then you can always teach them that you just pull the blankets up and cover your feet and cover your head and you're safe. Yeah. Or, <laughs> that protects you from any nightmare. Or you get the Paw Patrol pups where they like grind their show their teeth and they scare their stuff. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> so I like I know for a fact for me I'm going to read him The Hobbit when he's a little bit older. Not like oh when he's older but I'm like when he can actually understand every word that's coming out of my mouth I'm going to start reading him The Hobbit. And, you know, I'm going to read to him Harry Potter, and I'm going to show him Indiana Jones and Star Wars, and heck, I got the Han Solo trilogy over on my bookshelf. I'll read him that. Mm-hmm. And anything he wants to read, now he can read them. Anything ranging from, you know, what uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes, to The Hunger Games, to World War Z, you know, I'll let him read them. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, explore. That's the biggest thing. Whether it's books or movies or music, it's just uh, my my biggest freedom growing up was the ability to just explore it. And I want to be able to share that with my kids is you like this. Well, this leads to this. This leads to X and Y and all these other things, just like you were saying. And finally, you find that one comic Hellboy that just blows your mind and that becomes your favorite for the rest of your life. Yeah. Anybody? Want to add anything about their life experiences? <laughs> robot. No, robot's gone. <laughs> <laughs> robot's gone. is here. For now. Um, I mean, that's that's really what you guys have said. That's pretty much what I've, you know, experienced as well. So, yep. So you guys aren't helping me at all with my my child. Oh no. <laughs> Hate you guys. Luck, Independence. <laughs> You know, you just know. Turn around, turn around to spare play, all right? Okay. Hmm. You'll be like, "Oh man, Bill, I don't know how to change a diaper." I'm like, "Fucking look it up." <laughs> Google's gonna be my friend. <laughs> I, I will give everybody this little tidbit of information: when your baby's first born, and the nurse is like, "You want to learn how to change a diaper?" You'll be like, "I will watch you do the first one, because the first one is disgusting." <laughs> they all. No, actually, they kind of, for the first couple months, it's nothing. First tip. Cool. First tip. First tip by Bill. First tip by Bill. New segment on over a couple of drinks. We're going to get canceled. <laughs> uh, okay, so that was my topic. So let's figure out what we want to cover next. Um, that's my, uh, let's go with. Eric Sprott's becoming an adult topic. Okay. Um, do you want to start it off, or do you want... No, no. Lead, All right. lead, lead into what the actual question was. All right. Um, you picked the heavy one. Yeah. Uh, That's what this, I do. Fuck you guys. I've always struggled with the idea that uh, we're... We don't have any way now, as, as men... This is specifically towards men. I know women... I can't speak to women. I'm not saying it's different or bad or good or whatever. I just, I don't have that experience. Um, we don't have any way of saying, okay, now you're an adult. Now you're accepted in society. Now you are um, supposed to take up these roles. Um, because right now, at least from my experiences, you get shuffled off from high school and college and you're with a bunch of people your age and you're having fun and it's great and you learn some experiences and you get a little smarter, get a little stronger, and then you shuffle off to maybe grad school or your first job. But th- there's a point where that, that ends. 
Um, and when when did you guys at least have that moment when childhood's gone and it's time to grow the fuck up? Well, the interesting about that is that it's not it's not going to be the same for anybody. You know, you hear about stories about like some kids have to get jobs like when they're in middle school because they have to support their family. I'm sorry, but at that point, it's really hard to hold on to the idea of childhood and being carefree, you know, or, you know, things like that. But for me personally, was when the petty drama among so many friends piled up where I just said, I have real shit to worry about. And I went, yeah, I'm, I'm over that. I guess I'm an adult now. Where it's like, oh my God, I like him, but he likes her and she's my friend and I don't know. And I'm like, I, I have bills to pay. I, I, I don't want to deal with this right now. Go away. And that's kind of when I figured I was an adult. But the important thing that I always remember is growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. Because you know, <laughs> a podcast about superheroes and Disney films. And though, yes, I'm an adult and I take care of a little life that's my son and I have all these new problems, I can still have fun with my friends. But as an adult, it was just kind of when I said I'm done with the high school drama bullshit that plagued most of college. That's fine. I like that. Um, I can't think of one specific moment, but I guess it's kind of the same deal in terms of like a mindset. Um, for me, it's more of like I realized life it uh doesn't care and life yeah. <laughs> is, yeah like uh you can you can say as much as you want well i tried so hard and i was i'm such a good person life don't give a shit how good a person you are if you have nothing to offer life life's going to toss you to the side and forget about you and i don't again it, i don't know when i specifically realized this but a part of it i i don't like to think that it took me until I graduated from college to become an adult, per se. But it was my first real moment of saying, I have a degree. Now what? <laughs> now what? That's important. I, I got this expensive piece of paper, and I sat in my car, and I didn't get into grad school until the following year. So at this point, I didn't really have a path anymore. From the time when I was a kid, I knew I want to get a degree, because that's what you do. And I got it. Where's the jobs? Where's the life? Where's everything? Well, oh, the work's not over yet. Okay. And it, it's like, you know it's there, but you don't really know it's there until it happens. And it's, 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 it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you either just fucking nut up or shut up, or you just, just, you know, you quit. And you can't quit. You've got too much, too many motherfuckers to prove wrong, so. <laughs> I, I'm glad I found that picture and posted it on your wall. I'm glad you, yeah, you pulled me out of a funk at least once, so. Well, uh, I mean, and then that attitude there has been with me for most of my life. Like, my dad would always tell us that our motto was, uh, illegitimate non carborundum, which was fake Latin in World War II called, don't let the bastards wear you down. And it's just, you know, it's the same mentality of, Mm -hmm. don't quit. You got too many motherfuckers to prove wrong. Because everyone is Mm -hmm. against you. Everyone. Get over it. Yep. It's time to take the pussy pants and, and, off and cowboy the fuck up. What an awesome feeling, though. Mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. 
even if it's just something small, something so small that means nothing to anybody else, but you do it and you finish it and nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit, but it's, it, you did it and it's you. Yeah. And then, I mean, what, what a great feeling. The other one is when I feel overwhelmed. You, when you, um, are completely overwhelmed and you don't see a way out and you're just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with whatever topic where, you know, I go outside and I look up at the stars mm. and and one of my friends said, wow, I, I didn't have that thought until I, I did a hallucination, <laughs> hallucination <laughs> drugs. And I was like, what? And he's like, that's, that's some heavy stuff. And I go, I look up at the stars and I go, every one of those is a sun and every one of them, not every single one of them, but most of them have planets and some of those planets might have life on them. And I think about how small we are. I think about how small I am on this world. And I go, yeah, this shit ain't nothing. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know when I had that thought, but I, it's one of my coping mechanisms. And I just think, I guess that's kind of an adult thing to see. I got stuff to do. Probably. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. I got shit to do. These, what's, what's the point of yeah, all this crap? These problems aren't going to sort out itself. And I'll, you know... That freak out time can be, for me, is mostly 30 minutes. And then I come up with a plan. Perfect example, Sprout, you know about this, when my car broke down in Colorado. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a solid, like, 15-minute freak out. And you said, we're going to do this. And then things started lining up. And I was like, yes, plan. But I needed to have that freak out time. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's... It's that, not even that the plan's good. It's just that... We need a plan. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess a lot of adult happened over time. I guess I don't know. I think parts of parts well, of that's the thing is I, I feel like it's it's always gonna keep happening. That's kind of the really awesome thing is like there's always gonna be another moment where you're like, wow, time to do this. And then it's you know you know in life I feel like we're we're gonna be learning and and experience so many more things that we've never done before up till we die really. That's so, life. That's life. I hope so. I but, hope so. Yeah, that's exactly what I want. But if you expect me to give up video games, no, I'm going to be that crashy <laughs> old man in the retirement home going, he's, Yell he's, the people. these fucking kids, they, they don't know, they don't know shit about first person shooters. I was there for Doom. You there with, you were there with Goldeneye in the corner. <laughs> I was there when we had to use cardboard to stop screen lookers. I played Doom over the shoulder of my brother while he was on the keyboard. They don't know shit. <laughs> they they don't uh, know what using a joystick yeah. to jump. That's oh, God. That's so again, growing old mandatory. Now, I'm not gonna grow up anytime soon, but there is life. Do I think I'm an adult? No, but there's things adult that I do. I pay bills, you, you, I you, I take care of a kid. You dip your toe into adult, you know. You, you hang out yeah, with it every so often. Those are the rituals now. Is do you pay your bills on time? Yep. Well, all right, buddy. You're grown up. <laughs> I do housework. I put my house back together. <laughs> how's your credit report? How's your four hundred one k? Oh god. No, no, I don't even want to start thinking about that. <laughs> retirement. It's a pipe dream. <laughs> Oh, we, we stopped you a couple of times. What were you going to say? Anything? I was just going to kind of 
sum up what you've been saying. You know, transition to adulthood is no longer just cut and dry. You're an adult now. You're married. You have kids. You're an adult. It's very gradual, and you just kind of, in some ways, I'm 27 years old. In some ways, I'm an adult. In some ways, I'm still an absolute child. I cannot manage time with shit. <laughs> having a kid, the thought of that <laughs> terrifies me because I'm like, I don't know how to make time for you. <laughs> you know, I can't even make time to change the oil in my car. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but other than that, here's the great thing about a kid: you don't have to make time for them. They are your life. They're your entire life. <laughs> you hear him crying, and you go, you hear your baby crying, and you go, "Shit, what happened?" They just that's life. Frank Sinatra, take us out. <laughs> I don't know. I we can't. Nothing. We can't use that bill. We, uh, we can't afford that. <laughs> you can't afford that. No. Oh. no, you can play six seconds. It's fine. But That's life. Totally ordinary people say. I don't remember the rest of the words. <laughs> Something about riding high in April. Shot down in May. <laughs> I know Sinatra. What? So we got time for one more or what? Do you want to do like a real short one? Do one more. Like, uh, what books are you guys reading right now? Sherlock Holmes. Which one? Uh, all of them. Oh, do you have like a the complete like uh, I have the, one of those? Yeah, it's a complete collection of Sherlock Holmes. I bought it off on uh, you know Amazon for ninety nine cents. <laughs> Not Kindle. <Nice. laughs> so nice. okay. I'm reading all of those and I love it. That's great. Sprout, what are you reading? Sprout. Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> sorry, I, I lost you for a second. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Oh, I'm here. Um, I'm reading two things right now. Uh, one of them is, the, I mentioned it to you a while back, Bill. It's called uh, The Book of the New Sun. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. A, yeah it's a five-part thing, and I finished the first two, and it's, uh, this next one's called uh, Blood and Citadel. It's really crazy. It's one of the craziest books I've ever read. Um, it uses all these archaic words, and it's set in the future, the world's dying. Um it's completely insane, and I love it. But it's really slow reading, um, so I can only handle like a, maybe a chapter or so a week. And I'm like, okay, I gotta take a break from this. It's a bit heavy for me. Take a step back, take a look around, breathe. Okay, I'm back, ready to go. Um, the other one I'm reading is, and I'm gonna get shit for this too because I know it's it's a lot of flack, but it's Infinite Jest um, by David Foster Wallace. Okay. It. One of those books that got recommended to me by a pretentious East Coast went to Columbia person, and I started reading it. I was like, okay, I know a lot of people who've read this book, and I don't really like most of them, <laughs> but it's good. <laughs> it's really good, and uh, it's huge though. It's like a thousand pages. And it's dense, and I'm like, why can't I read for fun anymore? <laughs> so I might go buy Swamp Thing. Uh, I've been thinking about that. Okay. The Alan Moore Swamp Things. All right. Bert, what are you reading? Uh, I'm reading a book called Queen of Camelot by Nancy McKenzie. Okay. Um, it is, I've gotten really heavy into Arthurian legend lately, and this is the story of uh, Arthur from the perspective of Guinevere. And oh. it's it's a very, very good read. Um, a little slow at times, but it is possibly, like, having read a lot of Arthurian stuff, it's possibly 
one of the best uh, depictions of the relationship between Guinevere and Lancelot and Arthur that I've ever seen. So, I'm a fan of it. Right on. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the, the Fiona Bar Tapestry? I feel like I, ha- I haven't read it. I've heard of it, I think. It's it's by Guy Caverio K. It takes a new look on the, the Arthurian stuff. It's set in a different fantasy world, and it talks about Arthur stories as a cyclical thing that every so often these people are born that represent Arthur and Guinevere and Lancelot, and they take up these roles in this larger story. It's that cool sounds stuff. really it's interesting. A, yeah, it's a trilogy. Um, what was it called Guy- again? Fionavar, F-I-O-N-A-V-A-R. I will yeah, I, it's one of my favorites. I recommend that to just about anyone. That sounds great. Hmm. Right on. How about you, Bill? I've got a couple on my plate right now that I've been juggling around or or in queue. Uh, right now I'm in the midst of Wolves of the Color, the fifth book oh, in yeah. the Dark Tower. Unfortunately, I've hit a brick wall with it. And that's kind of how Where I Where are end. you at? Uh, we just met Susanna's next incarnation. Ah, uh, yeah. Just uh, keep going, buddy. I, I know, I know. i got to force <laughs> myself through it, but there's just... The problem with this book is that I really don't like any of the characters except one. And so when there's mm-hmm. when there's chapters upon chapters about all this pointless garbage of somebody else, I'm just like, uh, just move along or die, please. That sounds a little callous. Mm-hmm. Um, no. And that's, I mean, that is, once that's done, I have Songs of Susanna and the Dark Tower and then win through the keyhole to get through. So that's a long queue. Uh, but I also started reading As You Wish, the uh, behind the scenes of The Princess Bride told by Carrie Ellis. Is that his name? Yes? Yeah. Are we? Well, yeah. Yeah. The, right? The main guy. <laughs> yeah, the main guy. So um, uh, that's that's on my on my list. Um, the latest Dresden File book, I have that, and I need to read it. And there was a history book I had to read, too. I think it was Assassins or Assassination. The Manhunt. It's Manhunt. The assassination of, of uh, Abraham Lincoln. Ooh. And okay. and and um, the chase of of John Wilkes Booth. That's on my Good list. Good story. Good story. Yeah. And plus, there's a couple books I want to reread. Like I want to go through this Han Solo trilogy again. I always want to reread World War Z, even though the audiobook is heavenly. Um, so is I got, it worth listening? The audiobook for World War Z. World War Z audiobook unabridged is amazing, hands down, because they get. Big name people to come in and do every chapter. So, have you read it already? Yeah. Uh, the Yonkers guy, like the, the pretty much the main guy, is Mark Hamill. Nice. Uh, one of the guys who's like ha- hiding out in Antarctica who like profited from the World War Z is Martin Scorsese. And so they got they got big name people to do it. And it's kind of awesome in that way. And as for other audiobooks. Uh, the Dresden Files, hands down, because they got um, oh god, what's it, James Marsters to do the voice, and as far as I'm concerned, he is Dresden, and he hits that noir dime store novel perfectly. So that's what I'm reading. I think the other part of that question was, what do you guys read for entertainment or educational or an instructional? Right? Mm-hmm. I read for entertainment because reading is hard. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I read so much for work anyway, so anytime I can get to read for entertainment, it, I have to take it. Yeah. 
uh, reading, growing up for me, I was a slow reader, so was my brother, so reading anything for school was painful, but reading for fun was always a breeze. So, uh, I, in a, a graduate acting program last semester alone, I read 35 plays, so we, which is awesome plays, but it's nice to get a break from that. So I guess just entertainment is really what I try to go for. LB, what do you read for? Escapism. Entertainment. Escapism. Yeah. Well, yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> it's a form of entertainment. It's a form of entertainment, I suppose, but I just, I like to be taken somewhere else. You know, some, that's just, that's what I find entertaining. I don't know. Oh, oh, and before we go, I remember another book. I want to read the Hyperion Saga. Have you guys yes. heard about that? I, are you it, talking about Conan? No. I don't know what the guy's name is, but it's basically it was described. Hyperion, never mind. Sorry. Oh no, no. <laughs> Hyperion was described to me as the Canterbury Tales set in the future, with alien, Blade Runner, and industrial science fiction mixed into one. And I'm like, sign me up. I'm here. And all oh, right. and, and the Matrix and Ghost in the Shell and like all of this other stuff. So that sounds awesome. You know, a book that you should check out, Bill, is uh, Fatherland. Okay. Um, it, it's uh, alternate history where uh, what if um, Germany won World War II and it's Hitler's seventy fifth, leading up to Hitler's seventy fifth birthday. That's the background. The uh, the actual story is a murder plot and mm. a murder mystery. So uh, that is on the list. Yeah, it's it doesn't really get too much into the what ifs. It's more of just this is the world and this is what's happening. If you want the what ifs. And how it went. You gotta play Wolfenstein in New Order. And with that, we're gonna take a break. Because we're over time. Alright. Alright. So we'll see you in a bit. Welcome back to Over a Couple of Drinks, where we ask the hard hitting questions like, what is Uptown Funk? And what will it give to you? That's right, if we were a magazine, we would not be selling you to a Photoshop because we know that shit ain't real. Unless we were a computer program selling magazine where we sold Photoshop and then we'd sell it to you. Never mind, we're not talking about pop music, we're just going back going on with our heavy topics. Sprout, pick us a topic. Alright, let's do Are You a Character or Story Person? Oh, that's mine. Um... Uh, so this happened to me when I was exiled to the north of our state, and I was working at this terrible little restaurant, and someone said, you know, I was always told that there was either, you're either a story person or a character person. And um, it basically says that, you know, if you're a story person, as long as the story's good, you don't care about the character. You're there to see how it plays out. Or if you're a character person, you don't really care about how shallow or stupid a story is. If the characters are interesting, you're there. And I just... I always liked the idea of looking at that, and I never—I always wanted to ask people: Are you a story person or a character person, or a little bit of both? Are you an experience person? Where it doesn't matter. It, one one could fail, well, both could fail, but if the experience is worth it, it's worth it. Huh. So, Sprott, mm-hmm. are you a character person or a story person? I've been having a hard time trying to answer this. I've been thinking about it since you first posted it, and I. The closest answer I can come to is that I would have to say character because when you have good characters, 
you can put them in any story and they create good stories. Okay. Is that all? Uh, no, I mean, I can keep going. Um, uh, I was originally going to go with stories because, um, honestly, my, my biggest uh, things I'm turned on to are these long, sweeping, epic tales, like the um, the Song of Ice and Fire kind of stuff, or um, just long fantasy science fiction novels where you have this massive world that things can take place in. But the more I thought about it, like I really said, that it's the characters that drive the story itself. And without interesting and compelling people populating these worlds, it, it's a desert and there's no man in black. Hmm. Yeah. It's not fleeing. Well, to counteract that, I, because yeah. I, because I, I do feel like that, that's how I mostly feel. But then every now and then there's a story or a book, I should say, or, you know, whatever that just has a better story than it does characters. And one of them that sticks out to me, which I'll go into more later into stories that stick with you because this is one of them. Is uh, the moat in God's eye? Have you ever read that one? No, I've not. Okay, most of the characters are throwaway. They're cliches, or they're not likable, and it's really hard to get into until you meet the the aliens that are in the story. Because this is kind of like how we would approach taking a long interstellar trip to meet aliens, and because they made like a little first contact with like a scout ship and. The alien passed away before it even met, made it to us. So this is us trying to figure out how to get to them and be alive. And it instantly picks up because, uh, it's the, the culture of the alien, the Modis. They call them Modis. I don't know why. Um, but, uh, the culture of these creatures is so fascinating and it puts every character to shame. And then there's these, these plot elements that come in. That are just straight out of horror in this non-horror book that are so interesting, and so I I I don't know if if I'm a character or a story person because it depends on book to book. Uh, it it yeah. really does. I mean, because each book um, has its own unique thing it's trying to do. You have something like Native Son, where it's entirely based around. Um, that person's point of view, the the Richard Wright story. Um, but then you have a lot of Hemingways, which are so sparse. Yeah. When the characters, you almost learn more about what they're not doing and than what they actually do. I don't know. That's such a weird, hard question to answer. Bert, are you a story person or a character person? You know. If you had asked me this five minutes ago, before Sprott had answered, I probably would have said story. Forget it. That's it. But Sprott has made me consider heavily the idea of char- good characters will create good stories. And it's, I, I really agree with that. But, um, but, I, I would think, you no, say no, that no, good no, 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 I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm playing devil's advocate. Okay, okay. So, I, my original thought was, you can have a story, I've seen this. And, and read this, uh, stories where you have a, a lot of really strong characters, but they just kind of dick around and not really make anything happen. And I'm like, well, well, then what am I reading? Even though sometimes it works, kind of like what you guys were just talking about. There are some books and some films where that really works. It's like, okay, these are just characters 
the, okay, uh, uh, in a play, Waiting for Gatto. Nothing happens in that play. And then mm-hmm. Act 2 happens, and nothing happens again. But yet, it's so engaging because of the characters. So therefore, it's not, I mean, really, there's like no plot, but it, the characters are so good that it's, you don't even realize it. So, in my way of not actually answering the question, um, my initial gut still goes with story, but the characters can make or break it, even if it doesn't have, like, the strongest story ever. Well, to help support the idea that story yeah. is key is look at the fiasco of How I Met Your Mother, uh. where you didn't have a story and just tried to stretch it out, and everyone goes, oh, it's a sitcom, you're supposed to do that. But that, that sitcom had a premise of a story, and the characters dried out because they were just repeating the same thing over and over and over again. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But can I take that a step further? Go ahead. Aren't we always repeating things over and over and over? Look. This is the same thing I tell everybody who loves boyhood and I hate boyhood. Is if you have a book or a show or a movie, that means you have a point and purpose. If you're just filling in with boring nothingness that represent life, then get the hell out of here. You're wasting my time. I've come to you to escape or to entertain myself, and you showing me nothing other than normal life? Get the hell out of here. Not worth it. Shoot. Don't want it. Don't need it. Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> Ain't gonna happen. It. <laughs> you know, um, the boyhood thing, um, I haven't seen it yet, but you have given a very impassioned review against it. Um, and another good friend of mine, Luke, who I respect his movie opinion just as much as yours, has given a very impassioned review for it. And you two are, would get along fantastic if you ever met, but such opposite views of this one movie that I don't know if I want to see it. Well, I think there's only one way to, to really handle this. is if I meet him, we tie our hands together, and we get a switchblade and we go at it. Benny in the chat. <laughs> Elby, are you a story person or a character person? I am very demanding where I need both. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm sorry. But it, if you can't give me both, you're a shitty writer. Not it's that both. simple. I'm both. <laughs> but, you're a demanding yeah. lover, Elby. <laughs> I you must give all. me both. Uh, but yeah, no, I think if you have good enough characters, like Sprout was saying, they can make a story of their own. But then you have a story. Even if the story doesn't go anywhere, you're <laughs> you're watching it, hoping it, or reading it, hoping it's going to go somewhere, and you're still entertained even when it doesn't. But still, the expectation of the story, I think, is something that uh, good characters can generate and wow you either way. God, that'd be such a disappointment. Such great characters, and then the expectation of the story, and nothing happens i but that's what birch was sort of saying about uh that play uh, <laughs> where nothing happens but you don't care because the characters themselves the experience was entertaining and i think that in itself is then the story it's the story of the characters the, or the story of your experience with the characters. yes so i i think i mean if you have great characters who they don't create a story because they're good characters, but they're not good characters together. 
or something like that, then that's a whole other problem. Well, what about um, the the audience as a character, whether it's a book or a movie or anything? And I because know. I mean, I oh, go ahead. I have a hard time viewing the audience as a character. I mean, I mean, I don't understand what you mean by that necessarily. Um, what was the um the movie that uh, Joss Whedon did? Um. The the horror movie. Oh, Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. You guys all saw that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, did you not think the audience was a character in that? We were. I, I, I thought so. And we were supposed to take part in the story. And our being there was influencing the story itself. I, to be honest, I was more upset that Scorny Weaver showed up at the end of that. I went, why, why isn't it Jamie Lee Curtis? Excuse me. Oh, Bill, you and I need to talk about this once you finish Dark Tower. Oh no. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think I think there's some aspects where the, the the audience is a character, but I think for this topic, what we've learned is that it there is no one correct answer. So no. the, the the there's two kinds of people in the world. Character or story is debunked, but there are two kinds of people in the world: those with shovels, no, it's those with guns, and those who dig. You dig, Tuco. You dig. I'm just full of quotes. Salad oh, reference. You are. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. <laughs> Birch, let's do your topic. Okay, yeah. Um. So to lead into this, the reason this has been on my mind for a good like a week and a half now is um in my uh, theories class, theories of acting and directing, we were talking about it was like the end of the class right before we're about ready to leave for spring break, and somebody mentions, um, goes, there's a show that happened at my school late recently, and there were just, this is really shitty audience, and they were just all on their phones and dicking around and not really paying attention, as, you know, you might. And, uh, and somebody else in the class suggested, well, that means that we're not doing our job as artists. We're not provided, if they're not paying attention to us, we have to make, we have to adjust ourselves to do something different to make them pay attention. And I am vehemently against that idea because I think that means artists are monkeys who just do tricks for people to watch them. And so the question I'm talking about today is what exactly is, who, who do we make art for? Any artist? Who do, who do, who do artists make their art for them? For themselves or for the audience? Slash readers slash, you know, people who are experiencing it. You're asking a question that's been asked for a long time. Oh yeah, hundred year old question, hundreds yeah. of year old question. And there's really no right answer, which is why we're talking about it. <laughs> we're we're gonna undercover this answer right now, in the brown. I got it. I got the answer. The artist is always making art art for themselves, and here's why, because. Either you're making it for your own personal enjoyment, you don't care what people think, or you make it for people because you care what they think, and thus you're doing it for their approval, or to shock them because you're Andy Kaufman and you want to upset them. Andy Kaufman. So either way, you're doing it for yourself, even if you're doing it for yourself by doing it for them. Yeah, but then you have two schools of thought here. You have the um, Daniel Day-Lewis and the Kurt Russell. Okay, Daniel Lloyd Lewis doesn't do a movie unless he's going to win an Oscar. That's just how it's been feeling forever. 
I'm not saying he's a bad actor by you no know, stretch of the imagination. This man's amazing. But I don't see his movies anymore because it's not fun. Okay? Well, my thing about him is that he feels so disconnected from everybody else in the movie. Yeah. It, it feels like he's in his own universe and he just kind of wandered in. Well. Because nobody's in his universe. Because nobody's yeah. at that. I mean, not to put down the other actors, but because mm-hmm. he's so engrossed in that, nobody's gone to that depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the other one is Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell doesn't do a movie unless he's going to have fun. And in the me, that's almost more fun to watch because if I'm showing over 10 bucks to see a movie, I have to, and I don't know much about it, I don't want to get stuck into an Oscar bait film, no matter how good it is. That's just my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. But going off of what your your class said, we can all talk about this because most of us are actors. Mm-hmm. LB, not included. LB's acted. <laughs> I've acted. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen it. Um, when I did shows where I was uh, center focused, I had, I always tried to make sure I, if I had to address the audience in one way or another, I made sure I picked somebody and I grabbed their attention. And the, okay. the, the way I can say it is, it's something I always did, was uh, when we did The Pillow Man, when I was out by myself, I looked at everybody for the split second in the audience because I was allowed to do that because I, I went out before anybody else. And I'd find somebody. When I told the stories in The Pillow Man, I told it to that person. It may not have been the same person every for the, the same show for every story. But, but I it picked, was a person. It was a person. Yeah. And I had to grab their attention. And to a degree, I have to make the art for them because I'm trying to tell them the story. Not just the story in the context of the story in the show, but I'm trying to tell them the show. I'm trying to make sure they're engaged. They're, they spent the time to come here. I better put on a really good show so they can walk away and say, this show was great and I want my friends to go see it. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit of column A, a little column B, because we're not trained monkeys. We're not, we're, well, we are, because we go up and read somebody else's lines and we move to other places. But we have to, we have to bring the emotion and, if you're not connecting to the audience, then you are just kind of spinning wheels. You have yeah. to grab their attention. And that's the thing with Which kind of goes back to the audience being a character. You know, oh, it's like. Oh man, so much crossover. Oh, we're, <laughs> it's a circle. It's a big ass circle. Um, it's, it's like it, without that third character. And this was another point someone brought up. They said, well, if we're just doing art for ourselves, then why don't we just, why do we even invite audiences to come in? And it's like without that third character, there's something missing. You know, you've got the behind the scenes, you've got the on the scene, you've got the watching the scene. And it's it's not complete without that. Well, what's what are we doing? If we have to decide who we're doing it for, what are we doing it for? If we're doing it for entertainment, or if we're doing it to further a purpose, or further an idea, mm-hmm. or doing it for itself. I mean... I think if I'm doing something for entertainment on stage, then I'm, I want to have fun, but my purpose in being there is to entertain, is to make the audience laugh, smile, cry, mm-hmm. uh, feel that, that connection needs to be there, like Bill was talking about. And so it is for them. But if I'm doing it to say some sort of idea, something that comes from myself, then I'm, that a lot of spoken word does this. Yeah, I'm trying to get something out, but this is part of maybe a healing process or a 
um, there's a message within here that I need to convey tonight. And maybe someone Absolutely. here can listen to it, maybe not, but it still needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and with those things, it's not really a mass audience. You're going up there in front of a mass audience, yes. But if you can change one person or get somebody on your side, one person in a large audience, you've done your job. You know, that's that's the kind of thing. It's the difference between entertainment and a thing. It's like um, for just a crude reference would be uh, the, the version of a shotgun or a sniper rifle. You know, with, with entertainment, you're trying to get a mass, you know, appeal to everybody. But if it's for a specific point, you want to make sure at least one person walks away with it. Right. Crude. All right. Debunked. All right. That's right. So we, uh, we did it. <laughs> we did it. Next, we're going to figure out the meaning of life. And, 42. Uh, we're done. I thought it was pi. <laughs> no, wait, no. Am I, am I mixing metaphors? <laughs> oh, no. Is it? Wait, you mean pi, the mathematical symbol, or food? Food. Okay, Let's yeah. be honest I, here. I was, was going to go with food. What if it was 42 pies? Oh, my God. That's... That's the actual meaning of life, but I don't know that anybody. I don't know that anybody's ever eaten that many pies. Are these different pies, or are they all chocolate pies? I mean, I, pumpkin. I don't. I don't know if. We, um, oh, oh, what's wrong with you? No, I don't want that meaning. If pie, that's life, I don't want it. If pie is the answer to life, is that why there's the phrase "slice of life"? Yep. Uh, I did that's it. it. Okay. Well. That's it. <laughs> Ladies and What's gentlemen, I, I thought we, uh, we killed the dinosaurs. We got the Ice Age. <laughs> <laughs> the Ice Age. There we go. I had to do it better. Mm. <laughs> Where were we going? Birch, what topic are we hitting next before we go uh, on break? Let's see. Um, we're almost done, I think. Uh, <laughs> let's go to. Okay, let's. Uh, sure. How about modern fairy tales? Probably your question. Said. Yeah, that was mine. Um, my, mine went a little different than just like what are our fairy tales now. But um, fairy tales were originally written to be cautionary tales. They were meant to teach. They were meant to instruct. They were meant to scare the shit out of you, so you didn't go wander off in the woods and get eaten by wolves. Um, well, don't think strangers. You can't even strangers. Don't take you stranger danger. I mean, it all comes down to that. Um, what do we have now that's like that? Yeah. A lot of stuff is sugar-coated, and I feel, and I'm worried, and maybe it, oh, more so than I should, that um, we either throw these scary, someone's going to come kill you because it's a news story that isn't really a fairy tale um, or a teaching story. It's more of a shock story, or we just sugarcoat it, and everything's glorious and wonderful. Um the way I thought about this was, and it's not relevant now, unfortunately, because I, I can't think of the equivalent for now, other than, no, yeah, that would work, Girl Meets World, so, but like the Boy Meets World, the step-by-steps, the full house of it when we were growing up, Oh, when they would do those heavy-hitting episodes. Yeah. Where it was like the drug episode. The ones episode. that kind of came out of nowhere and everyone was like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh. Those, those yeah. are All cautionary right. tales. Yeah. Will Smith. Just got shot on Fresh Prince. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, or like, you know. Or when his dad leaves them. Or when, um, when DJ goes to the party and there's underage drinking. You know? Yeah. You know? All right. Or, or you know, even even to a more broader sense, like you can watch certain cartoon shows and they hit certain points over and over and over again. Like, don't use your friends. Don't abuse your friends. Kind of like, you know, their trust and stuff. 
those are hidden in there, but you start to see them if you watch them off. Things like that. I mean, yeah, it's not as like dangerous as don't go into the woods, you get eaten by wolves. Idiot. But those those aren't the stories that we need anymore. No, it's it's more of like treat everybody correctly. Be, you know, don't break the law. I don't know. But or like, with this message, or you know, your parents will die in a car accident. Yeah. Or for this Facebook chain mail. And that's that's how I took it was. Those were our modern fairy tales. Not nearly as cool, but they're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even think of like the full house and step by step. They, that has it pretty much covered. Yeah, I but I can't think of what would be on nowadays other than Girl Meets World, which is basically Boy Meets World for new people. Yeah, I'm sure there is. It's just we don't we're not of that age group or yeah. have children in that age group to, to know what it is. Like I d I didn't watch hey, what is it, Hannah Montana? I didn't know if they covered any of those. Before she went insane. Um, no, she found herself. Oh, okay. Is that what she did on stage? Oh, I don't know. I just assumed she went through a David Bowie phase and got confused between which personality she was and something else new came out. <laughs> yeah, but David Bowie gave us good music. And not all of it was good. But a lot of it was. Yeah. <laughs> but he did a lot of space rock. Listen, there's nothing wrong with certain space rock. Moon Age Daydream, Major Tom, great. Okay, two. Okay, two. Uh, Trust me, I I love David Bowie. I've been listening to him since I was a wee tyke. I used that correctly, I believe. But no, I I mean, I I just always kind of found it funny that people gave her so much shit, but she's like, she did the same thing Bowie did. And five years from now, she's going to be someone different. Yeah, I mean... This isn't, the first, this isn't the first time that, like, you know, some, some you know, little singer went off the edge, and it won't be the last time either, you know? Mm-hmm. I think she's got it figured out. Making lots of money, and... <laughs> That's the important thing, making money. Yep, I, and sticking your booty on stage. I, she made it. I don't know... She got high. I don't know why we're talking about Miley Cyrus, but I, <laughs> I just want to say, I don't think her transition, if you will, has... You can't quite parallel that to David Bowie's. I mean, who was his audience <laughs> before and after his new personas came out? I mean, had his audience changed that drastically? You're talking about Miley Cyrus went from this preteen idol to something else. <laughs> that well, they, they a different, completely different audience she's going after, I hope. Preteen idol when she was preteen, and then they grew up with her. But... No, she was still at the time. She, I don't want to talk about Miley Cyrus anymore. <laughs> so, so we have gone way off. <laughs> b- before before we go on break here, we've learned that the modern fairy tales are David Bowie <laughs> and maybe Miley Cyrus. <laughs> no, Strictly cautionary not. tales. <laughs> cautionary tales. Don't go crazy. <laughs> so we'll be back with I think finishing it up. Oh god, I'm never going to be invited back, am I? <laughs> no, no. No, no, you'll be back with light, more lighthearted topics. <laughs> oh, don't go anywhere, because you're listening to it at home. Well, I guess you can go somewhere. <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm going to hit the stop button. <laughs> Now I'm back. 
my very own podcast. Sorry, everybody, but it's me alone. We're going to finish out talking about me and me by myself. Just kidding. Yeah, we're still here. Sadly. <laughs> Everyone got excited for a minute. <laughs> Mostly me. <laughs> well, you mean we're actually going to get good entertainment for a bit? No. Uh, okay, so we only have two more topics, and then we're going to kick it off. And the something I've been trying to do for the last three podcasts, but kept forgetting to do. But we'll get into that later. Let's go with stories that stuck with you over the years. So, gentlemen, thinking about it, what stories, books, movies, games, doesn't matter, have stuck with you over the years that you keep going back to? Anybody? Monkeys? There was a book that I read when I stayed home sick from school when I was really young that I've never been able to find, but it was the first book I remember that made me cry. Oh. Um, and it was about a tornado that hit this small town, and was, people dealing with that. It was a young adult-style book, but the main character lost his dog oh. in the book. And it was one of those things where it gets to the point where you hear the whimpering, you hear the sound, and they find it under the beams of this house. And I'm young, and I'm home alone sick anyway, so my brain's all messed up, and I'm just... <laughs> just sobbing. And I've never been able to find that. But that, that memory, that story, it had just stuck with me and made me realize I'm a crybaby when it comes to movies hey, and hey. books or anything. There, there hasn't really been a Pixar film I haven't cried at yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the ones I don't like, they can cry. Because they're so bad. Like, cars? Cars made me weep openly in the theater. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, the, the, the first cars, when, when he goes, I think the king should finish his last race. That got me. That got me. <laughs> It's I don't know. that music, the strings, they, they kick in. Yeah, they it, kick in and they go, well, fuck with your tear ducks. <laughs> they know the right chords to do it. <laughs> uh, well, you, Bert, you got anything that sticks with you? Hook. Hook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was um, the first one I watched after he died. Yeah? I still haven't watched it since he died. I don't know if I can do it. That was I'm going to have to eventually. But, I watched um, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. I watched uh, Dead Poets Society. Mm-hmm. Which was just all kinds of painful, but great. Um, Hook is like partly my answer. Uh, that one's actually just one that I really love, and even though everybody else tells me how bad it is, they're I wrong. They're, they're wrong. They're all wrong. I'm not kidding. I have not met. I can't count on one hand people that I've met, like from my like you guys, and a lot of like the people I knew like who graduated before me, but like almost everybody else from Central just like hates this movie. They're wrong. They're all inbred yep. mouth breathers. Yep. <laughs> and I'm a mouth um, breather. <laughs> the other one that really got me when I was a kid, has anybody seen the movie? It's a cartoon movie, and it's called Watership Down. Yes. Oh, oh my God. That book is amazing. Funny. I need to read it. Funny oh, story. yes, you do. Funny yeah. story. Sprott and I actually met in a reader's theater version of Watership Down. <laughs> yes, we did. Really? Yep. That's, have you seen this movie? Yes. I completely it's forgot. Terrifying. It. <laughs> it is. It is terrifying. It's, when I was a kid, okay. My, so my mom brought home this movie, and I was like eight. 
and she goes, I found this movie. I don't know what it is, but it's got cartoon rabbits on the back, so it's got to oh, be good. Oh, they rolled you in. <laughs> and I, I watched the movie, and it ended, and I think I was, like, legitimately traumatized for, like, a good several years. But, I, like, I didn't go back and rewatch it again for so many years because I was just, like, all I saw was rabbits destroying each other in bloody, awful messes. <laughs> but then I went back and I watched it again when I was in high school and it's a beautiful movie and mm-hmm. it's just so, so good. And I, I, I found out it was based on a book that I have not yet found to read, but I intend to. Um, Richard Adams. But it really, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But that one stuck with me kind of like, it was interesting. Cause I almost had like, I, I had the VHS tape still in my house and every time I'd like look through my old VHS movies, I'd see it and I'd go, Oh, nope. I can't watch that one again. <laughs> I know what happened a lot. You fooled me once, rabbit movie. But then, like, I watched it again. And I'm like, I, I obviously was too young at the time, but like, now it's just such a good movie, and the voice acting and the animation is just really good, and the story is great. So that stuck with me for a long time. You remember Rats of Nim? Yes. Yeah. Secrets Secret of Nim. Nim. Yes. Secrets Secret of Nim. Secrets of Nim. I, yeah. Actually, I watched that about uh, three months ago. It still holds up. I mean, it, it, you don't. You always run into that problem of our nostalgia goggles there to ruin old movies that you hold highly, and no, it's it's still good. Yeah, I, I watched it about two years ago, I want to say, and the owl still gave me the creeps. Um, the mom was a great hero. Owl. Yeah, sitting in that, that that nook in the tree. Okay. Okay. This is how nerdy I am, all right? After watching it, I had an idea to do a D&D campaign where instead of humans, the uh, characters you'd be referred to as squirrels. And instead of like, um, oh, shoot, like elves, it was um, hedgehogs or something like that. And oh. we were, we were going to do something like that. So kind of like um, uh, Red Guard. Redwall. Redwall. Redwall, yeah. Is that it? What's that? Oh, it's Brian Jacques. He was an author who wrote a bunch of books that are, that are kind of similar to that. Oh, okay. No, no, it, it'd be a lot of fun. No, I, I had that idea. Be, I mean, you basically set it up as a normal D&D campaign, except the subtext and flavor would be you're a rat or you're a squirrel or, you know, a mouse is a halfling, you know. Just, the, the dragons are cats. <laughs> and, and we lost Birch, but we'll get him back. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. We'll just uh, we'll add him. We're gonna keep recording because you know what? You never know when something's gonna blow up again. Mm-hmm. No, I like that idea because I mean, um, and then all the things that would go with it. Like if you're a squirrel, you can run up trees a little better. It, it would change it up. Yeah, exactly. I, I would it, since it'd be a, like a small little group of doing it. It would always be um, I, I would I, you know how I play? I bend the rules all the time. Mm-hmm. Where it'd be like you know, <laughs> the hat dragon, uh, hat dragonborn people were uh, skunks, because why not? <laughs> um, so, well, we try to get we're birds pissing back. off the Skype. Hard. Yeah, we're, we're still recording, man. We're just gonna go with it. We're, the Skype, the Skype gods are pissed. We did anyone sacrifice that goat today? Damn it! Uh, I, uh, I didn't. Was it my day? It was your day. This is my this, day to do that. Yeah. 
So, other than Watership Down, was there anything else, Birch, that stuck with you? No? Okay. I Good. think he's gone again. Uh, I think he's gone again. <laughs> LB, what about you? Anything stuck with you? I, I mean, Sprout was kind of talking about the old, you know, boy and his dog My story bad. that's... The boy and his dog story stuff being one that's always <laughs> stuck with me, so... Just those types of stories. Especially, uh, what's that movie called? A Boy Never and His Dog? Story? What's that? Oh. I was gonna say never-ending story. No, a, I think it's just, boy. Oh. I think it's just a boy and his dog, right? Or what is yeah, that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a boy and his dog. Yeah. Uh, is that the one with the dog on the beach? No, it's the one with Don Johnson. It's the uh, post-apocalyptic. post-apocalyptic. Uh, oh. Yeah, but that I think is one of the the great a boy and his dog type stories, which fits for what it's called. So, just the idea of you'll never have a better friend than your dog. Mm. You know, I mean, no. No one else, no other friend's going to stick with you through thick and thin like your dog. They don't understand those more complex ideas of betrayal and such. They don't have anything to keep the dog. They don't, what? What? (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't that kind of story? No, actually, spoilers, if you haven't seen the movie from 1975, A Boy and His Dog, (laughs) it's implied that in order for the dog to survive, the boy kills um, this woman that yeah it's kind of it's a great hmm. ending because <laughs> i have not seen that the dog's right. survival is more important to him than the survival of this woman but it's fair because i mean the dog is telepathic so <laughs> who <That's one>. is <laughs> <laughs> that should have been revealed earlier i would have really more. <laughs> i feel like that's not something you should hold back <laughs> sorry i forgot i'm not sure the dog was telepathic or the you know maybe it was just like frozen or was the kid crazy where he he talks, yeah, hears it in his head. <laughs> his dog, like, his Wilson? Yes. yes. Maybe. Know. And we keep losing. <laughs> he's just teasing us. He's just, he's just talking about us. Uh, so I guess for me, stories that stuck with me were, um, well, one was the God, uh, the, the moat in God's eye. Because I was on this real kick of audiobooks a few years ago. And I was asking people, you know, what should I I, I listen to or, you know, get around to reading as I have all this time now. And um, one of a friend of mine who was a senior when I was a freshman in, in high school, so I didn't really know her, said, The Moat in God's Eye, you need to read this. And I read it. And like I said, it's a little hard to get into because so much is unlikable. But when you meet these Modis and, like, their culture is amazing, like, they, they, they meet them and they notice that like, all of the... um the material on their home planet is mined out and that they reconstruct so much stuff from like the a building can be one day but then it can be turned into like 30 cars in life because you find out as as it happens that these um these creatures breed so fast that they have entire spans of civilization that that uh, expand so fast that they crumble in on each other and they have to start over and nobody remembers because their lifespans are pretty short. So the, like, uh, a few, few centuries ago, they decided to start, uh, when, uh, putting stuff in museums that when, when they became a certain cultural age, they'd figure out how to unlock this museum and put their accomplishments in there only to have the cycle start again, where they build up and crumble and build up and crumble. And it's, it's something so unique that was interesting that the second half of the book, doesn't hold up to how good that was. And I'm just like, wow, 
I'll just forget about this book, but honestly, I keep going back to this really unique idea. And then, um, I mean, there's a couple of video games that, that have stuck with me over the years. Um, some good ones, like the Mass Effect series. You know, the, that's 10 years old now, and I still remember all of, everything about it because it was a good story and a unique way of telling it. And um, what else? Oh, time travel. Ideas of time travel. There's three movies that stick out for me on that one. Are you guys still there, by the way? Yeah. Not yeah. Saying. All right. You know what? We didn't sacrifice that goat, so I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, the the three that stick out with me aren't, believe it or not, is not Back to the Future, but it's um, oh shit, what were they? It was the Time Machine, uh, not the original, but the remake with Guy Pierce, and you know, uh, Looper, and Twelve Monkeys. Those mm. those three, uh stick with me more than any other time travel story because they have unique ways of showing time travel or doing time travel and um, 12 monkeys is the easiest because it doesn't matter what you do you can't change anything and you uh, spoilers for a fucking um, 20 year old movie uh, that uh, the opening shot and ending shot are the same and it's young Bruce Willis as a kid seeing his older self who's been through time and you've seen all getting gunned down in an airport. And you realize that you can't change anything. And I really like that because it's a really unique idea. On Yes, you can go back in time, but you can't change it. And you never get a real explanation why until you watch The Time Machine with Guy Pierce, in which, um, oh God, what was his name? Jeremy. LB, who's the voice of Scar? Jeremy Irons. Irons. Yeah, Irons. I was I was like, Ironside? No, that's not right. <laughs> Old Ironside. Old Ironside. No, Jeremy Irons uh, explains to Guy Pierce in the end of the movie why he couldn't go back in time to save his fiance. And it is the one of the best explanations. And as you can tell, what sticks with me isn't the story, it's concepts, I guess. And this one was, well, if you went back in time and stopped your fiance from murder, being murdered, you never would have built the time machine to go back in time to save her. And I go, oh, well, that's a good way of looking at things. Yeah. That, that you know, you can never go back in time to change anything. It, it wouldn't cause a ripple effect. It just it wouldn't happen. It, the time would, recon- would, would uh, fix itself because this event has to happen to put you back there. You can't change it. And I go, oh, that's cool. And the other one is Looper, which have you guys seen Looper yet? I wish I had. No. Okay. Looper, a lot of people didn't like the way they did time travel because, uh, I'm going to try to get Birch back in here because he saw it, um, was, uh, you have to understand what the, what the, what the style they're telling you. They're, they're, it's, time is trying to, uh, set itself straight, but, uh, it's, the future's, uh, can be changed. And uh, an interesting way they showed it is like, because the whole concept of the movie is that uh, they send people back in time to get killed in the past so they can get rid of the bodies at the same time. And one guy gets away before Bruce Willis gets sent back, because he's in it too. Um, And they capture his younger self and start cutting off pieces of him. To say, you have to, it's like uh, the first time they see him is all of a sudden he has a scar on his arm 
as they're carving into his younger self saying, be here at nine o'clock or your younger self dies. And just as know that we're not screwing around, they start cutting off fingers. See him start losing fingers as it slowly becomes the reality of the future. And it's kind of cool that way. But uh, I don't know if I want to spoil it then. Don't spoil God, it. <laughs> Too recent of a movie. Not that recent. Come on now. None of us have seen it. Well, then you guys suck. Bert, are you back? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm talking I, about... I, I guess. We're talking I about heard talking about Luke. Okay. Good movie. Great movie. And I, I think I, I said to you, if this movie was made uh, 10, 15 years ago, it could be done and it would be considered a cult classic and kind of like this great movie because it it tells a unique way of of time travel that is best described by Jeff Daniels saying, all this time travel stuff, fry your brain like an egg. It's just too confusing. And it's great. It's great because the ending has this great line that I, I don't want to give because you guys haven't seen it. You suck. Oh, that um, once you realize that the future is, I guess, malleable. Is that the correct word? Yeah. Yeah. That... um. But the same events will always happen, kind of like the main focus is. Like, uh, it's the same concept that if you went back in time and killed Adolf Hitler, someone else would take his sp- spot. It might not be him, but the same events should still happen. And, and dealing with that in the reverse order of going to the future, you see how the quote-unquote main villain could possibly be made one way, and it may not be the way that the, the original past says, but you can see how it plays out. And it's a really good concept why it sticks with me so i guess for me uh it's not so much stories but decent concepts can always always seem to come back and pluck my my creativity i mean besides that you got the star wars and indiana jones and the alien because i'm scarred for life small stuff um we lost the list what was the last one? Your primary form of entertainment? Is that it? Yeah, I think so. So let's start with Birch before we lose. <laughs> Birch? I am still here, amazingly. What's your primary form of entertainment? Of, like, any medium? Yeah. I, I guess I, I hate saying this, but no, I'm okay with it. I, I'd probably have to go with film. Um, I'm, I'm a big film buff. And I try to watch, you know, go see as many movies as I can. Um, I wish I had the time to read more often. Um, cause that would probably be it if it wasn't for my schedule. But film has turned into something I really love. I enjoy talking about, obviously. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably what I would go with for me. LB? I can't say I have a favorite. Um, Film. Why don't you just shit on the parade then, right? <laughs> I don't know. I guess <laughs> I'd try and, and I don't know. I try. I <laughs> I'm not someone who can <laughs> sit and binge watch a show. I can't sit and watch movies all day. You know, I just I have to vary what I'm doing. I I can't. So I I don't know. Okay, I'm done. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. Sprout, what's yours? Um, if I'm looking for like escapism, um, and just to shut down for a bit and be entertained, it's going to be video games mostly. But if I'm looking to 
entertain myself and I can actually be engaged, it's going to be reading. Because I'm a lot more active reader than I am playing a game. Okay. Makes sense? Yeah, no, like, that makes sense. Yeah, like I can just tune off and sit there for an hour on the couch and just twiddle my joysticks. And <laughs> joysticks. Plural. <laughs> Uh, ha, ha, ha. Hey, we're we're not we're not judging here what you have down below. <laughs> but no, honestly, probably reading because um, it's something that I've I've enjoyed since I was really young, and so it's my go-to to as a, kind of a comfort, you know. Yeah. Okay. You know what? Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna retract. Of course you are. Of course I am, because now that Sprout mentioned video games, I think a I love. Uh, video games with very interactive stories where you sort of, you know, you can you can change the story based on your actions. So Mass Effect, basically the Bioware, anything Bioware's made, <laughs> uh, Dragon Age, those sorts of games. I'm a big fan of those because that's a very long story. You can invest a lot of time into one story, and I that's just what I prefer to do, I suppose. All right. All right. All right. I was I was gonna say that too, but mine was gonna be a better answer. Um, <laughs> it, it was well if if you think about Excuse it me. as an evolving medium, uh, books you had to use you know a lot of imagination. It was very personal, uh, and then films came along and gave you a visual along with. It may not always be as personal, but then again, most some books can't be always. Not everything can be as personal. But like you get the same idea, but now you get a visual cue. With games, you get the visual cue, the imagination with the proper game, and the experience of doing it yourself in a way. And and I mean, maybe you don't get it while playing Mario, but like I'll be said, the Mass Effect games, you create a character, you change, this, you have them how you look, you choose a backstory that you get to read about and explore and figure out. Oh, so that's what happened to this character, and you then get a visual world to explore and and you have these events that play out and they're really unique and you can kind of guide it in what direction and and stuff like that and that to me is kind of my favorite medium it's not saying i i, I that's my favorite right now not so much that you know books are aren't still up there and i watch a billion and a half movies but the experience you get in video games of of a certain caliber are great. I was talking to Sprout about this before we started recording was the idea of alien isolation in which it is living out your alien horror fantasy of you're in a room and the alien doesn't have a set motivation like set the movement skills. It will go wherever it wants and it's trying to find you and you start trying uh, how to trying to figure out how to get out by trial and error and, and you start getting these really great unique deaths that are just for you. And no one else. And that's awesome. That's an experience you don't get anywhere else. Like, if I was, Birch didn't get far enough when we were playing it, but like, if he would have met the alien, I would have loved to see how he got through certain elements of the game because the first time you meet him on a one-on-one experience, I spent like four to five hours playing and losing and loving every minute of it. One time I was hiding underneath a table and apparently I moved out too far and it pulled me out from my legs. I was like, oh, that's that's a horror kill right there. Another time, I crawled into a vent. And I was like, I'm gonna build this this uh, this noisemaker. I'm gonna throw it out one vent, and I'm gonna crawl through the other end and get to my objective that way. As I was building the bomb, it came in through the vent and killed me. 
uh, I mean, like, unique, unique experiences, and that that wins right now. The interactive portion of it, where you, you you write your own story. Yeah. Well. Yeah, it's it's appealing, or at least you play out to enough so it it seems like you write your own. Yeah. Another thing is a, a good friend of mine. I don't know if you guys know him. Told me to play certain games, uh, like the Mass Effects and the Dragon Ages, and like these RPGs, like role play, properly role play, knowing your character's motivation. Don't answer it the way you want to answer it. Answer it how they would answer it, and it adds this really great twist on things. That was my favorite time playing the Dragon Age. Is I I made a dwarf, uh, the thief, the rogue one in there, but he had a religious arc in it that he. Uh, started exploring religious options in here. And this is just some completely non, uh, not, not a normal reaction to what his stuff is, but he would always pick more religious questions in there. And by the end of the game, he, I had built up this person in there that was not what the story intended. Yeah. Uh, like, um, for, for the first, uh, first two Mass Effects, well, the first one I played him as, uh, as like the, the, the dark side points or whatever, you know, just to go, oh, I want to see what this does. Oh, I want to see what this does. And, and, and two, I was doing that too, and my friend was like, well, why don't you just role play it like you would if he was an actual character and not what you wanted to do? And I was like, okay. And at that point, a character says, there's a species in there called the Salarians who uh, only live for 40 years. They're, they they just live for 40 years, so they do everything really fast. And you have one of them on your team, and he talks to you about how um, they believe in reincarnation and the wheel, and if you die, and come, you're going to come back to kind of fix everything you did wrong the first time. And in the beginning of Mass Effect 2, your character dies, and you're brought back through whatever science experiment that it is. And I go, well, how would my character react to that? Well, if he he trusts this character, this, this Solarian on your team, so he might start believing in that too. You did die and come back. So at that point, instantly turned to a good guy. No more dick answers. I mean, there was there were some like jerkish answers because I was still playing him a little cocky, but I would start picking the right things and going out of my way to help people. And it was just it was a really great transition that you just I don't you wouldn't get. And like, let's face it, choose your own adventure books just weren't that good, <laughs> or I'd pick the shitty ones. I don't know. <laughs> so that's that's mine. So in in review, LB and I are on video games, purchase on movies and. Eric is on books. What's yours? Like, comment, subscribe. <laughs> You're gonna go there. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you like books. Comment. <laughs> you like movies. Share if you like. Subscribe if you like. Me. <laughs> I don't know if you guys actually write down uh, the uh, the intros or references and what books they're from. I might send you a gift. I'll do that. I'm not saying the gift will be good. It might be E.T. on the Atari 2600, but I will send you a gift. Oh, Bill. <laughs> Just, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Well, why not make a contest? Well, I'll do it. Uh, so, before we leave, we're going to do a little thing I've been trying to do for a while. Last week, we ran really long, and the week before that, Skype exploded. This week, I'm actually kind of shocked we're doing it as... Birch forgot to sacrifice our goat to the Skype gods and screwing up again. Next uh, time, man. Oh, next time. Peter, Peter, don't sue us. It's an imaginary goat. It's it's, it's not real. Peter doesn't do sue Bill, but we'll do it. 
Okay, Peter, don't come after us. Is is a in review in which I'll ask you guys if you had to, like, if you were writing a review for this podcast, this would be like your last little grabber sentence at the very end to kind of sign us off. How would you review this podcast? Who wants to go first? Don't jump all at once. Oh, first I gotta correct myself, I didn't, Peter. I didn't hear any of that because <laughs> my volume cut out. So, oh so. my god! What are we doing? <laughs> Peter, don't like. <laughs> Peter's pissed. They do sue, by the way. I was wrong. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so jump back a bit. Explain that whole thing again. <laughs> If we were writing a review for this podcast, and this was the end of it, this is the end of your review, and you kind of wanted to leave, like, for the people who only read the very beginning and the very end, and you want to make sure they got everything, what would you write for the ending of the podcast review? So, in my, for example, mine would be an utter clusterfuck of internet lag problems and Skype exploding. That's this podcast in review. But with art. (laughs) But with art, yes, thank you. That's why you're my editor. Anybody else got another one? I want my money back. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, he got paid? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to do mine in the form of an angry uh, YouTube commenter. I don't know. No, never mind. Anyway, uh, an angry commenter in general. Better be in caps lock. Uh... Too much Miley Cyrus and not enough Sprat. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I know Sprat personally. <laughs> and I would say that he would think that it might be just enough Sprat just and enough. not nearly enough Miley. Whoa, what's your problem with Miley Cyrus, huh? Are there boobs in this? <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, eat a bag of dicks. Source? 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 10 out of 10, want John Rhodes back. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't talk about uh, Maleficent. This is the worst podcast ever. Don't know why he's a Brooklyn guy. Why not? Sprout, you got an interview? Um, If you went to the end of this to listen to it, who does that? Go back. <laughs> Go back now and reevaluate how you handle you, entertainment. You don't, have, you don't have time to listen to what this even is? Go back. Go back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so in two weeks, we will have our good friend Chris Miller on. Chris talk- Miller! Chris Miller! To talk about stuff I don't know what yet. He hasn't gotten to us. Because <laughs> uh, that's Chris Miller. You'll, yep. you'll find out. Um, and then maybe next week, maybe LB will get around to the gots for us. Something we've been toying with you. Now it won't be as good because now we're leading up to it and everyone's going to be disappointed. And by everybody, I mean the one grandma in like Ukraine who listens to us. Well, we appreciate you, MVP. We do. You're the real MVP, grandma. Thanks for the, the cookies. Real you got cookies? <laughs> she likes the best. Oh my god. Well, thank you, Eric Sprout, for being on. My pleasure. We will love to have you back anytime. We're working on a lot of stuff behind the scenes for you people. Even though nobody cares. We'll, we'll see you later. You made me feel bad. Oh, why are you, you said nobody what? cares. Nobody cares.